I'm Jack Van Horn from Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the lawsuits were unleashed on the Environmental Protection Agency last week. Several ag and non-ag groups filed lawsuits against the EPA's new Waters of the U.S. rule. Several states did the same. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Snowfall in the Panhandle and in West Texas on Tuesday helps the region's winter wheat crop while ranchers keep their cattle herds hydrated. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. Calving season is getting closer in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts on preparation from the Texas Tech Vet School. More than 6,000 bills will be filed in Austin during the current legislative session. There are agricultural priorities to be watched. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The American Farm Bureau Federation and 17 other organizations have kicked off a legal challenge to the new Waters of the U.S. rule recently released by the Environmental Protection Agency. AFBF Deputy General Counsel Travis Cushman says the new WOTUS rule once again gives the government sweeping authority over private lands. So the EPA just came out with another rule, which doubles down on the significant access test, which is this unworkable test for jurisdiction of when the federal government regulates farms and ranches. And so we filed our lawsuit to stop it. Cushman says the new rule is vague and creates uncertainty for agriculture. We think that a farmer and a rancher should not have to hire a team of lawyers and consultants to figure out what they can and cannot farm on their land. This rule doubles down on that, and we simply want to respect the limits of the Clean Water Act and what a farmer can and can't do on their land. The Texas Farm Bureau and the Matagorda County Farm Bureau are also part of this lawsuit. Other ag organizations participating include the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and the National Corn Growers Association. Several states have also filed suits against WOTUS, including the state of Texas. Attorney General Ken Paxton says legal action is necessary to curtail this administration's continued intrusion into the right of Texans and our ability to control our own natural resources. 
The American sheep and wool industry was in Texas last week for the American Sheep Industry Association's annual convention in Fort Worth. Texas Congressman August Fluger of San Angelo addressed the organization. You know, it's a great opportunity to be here to talk with people who put their heart and soul, their whole life into raising livestock. Uh, when it comes to sheep, this is something that is personal. You know, growing up around San Angelo and raising sheep and goats for many, many decades, my family ha- has a, a real tie to this business. And so it's a great opportunity to be here to see so many people who are passionate about it. And also to understand that, you know, over the last couple of decades, the sheep herd and the production throughout the United States has really decayed to a point where we need to take some proactive measures to get back to what we know we can do to meet the demands right here in the United States. Fluger's father and grandfather were both past leaders of the ASI. Cattle feedlot inventories are falling, according to the latest Cattle on Feed report. It shows the number of cattle in feedlots now at 11.7 million head. That's down 3% from a year ago. Placements into the feedlots falling as well, now standing at 1.8 million down 8% from a year ago. Marketings totaled 1.74 million, down 6%. Snow and rain have fallen across many areas of Texas this week, bringing much-needed moisture to fields and pastures. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Lubbock area farmer for an update. We go to Eddie Griffiths up in Lubbock on the South Plains for his report on the benefits of snowfall in the region this week. Eddie, the snow has to be good for the winter wheat crop. Definitely. Welcome uh, moisture to West Texas. And with that comes, you know, some other responsibilities, especially if you have livestock trying to ensure that you've got feed out for them. But we will definitely take the moisture. I know in most cases, especially wheat pasture and even on other pastures, you know, just to get some moisture, to get some type of uh, vegetation established or started out there is definitely going to help. Pretty good moisture for us here in West Texas, and we'll need some more to carry us along the way. Lots of tillage going on, and that'll help with that. Probably the main thing here is that we'll have moisture to keep this wheat crop moving along. Yes, uh, your region, just like uh, many others in Texas, had a deficit in rainfall and precipitation over the last several months. So uh, this moisture uh, in the form of snowfall here in winter is definitely a welcome sight. Definitely, Tom. We'll welcome whatever we can get. From the standpoint of the livestock in that region, how are farmers or ranchers taking care of them in this cold environment and the snow falling? For the most part right now, just trying to get hay out to them, you know, some cattle cubes and uh, just make sure that there's some type of shelter out there because along with the moisture you get colder temperatures, living in West Texas, you're going to get the cold wind and get those animals some windbreak out there. That definitely helps during the winter cold months. The cold temperatures will be here. We, we do have our daytime temperatures that it will get above freezing, and that's definitely a good thing, especially from the standpoint of trying to keep water to the livestock. That's the other important aspect of this is to keep these animals hydrated and fed at the same time. Definitely break the ice and have fresh water to them and, and a windbreak or, or some kind of uh, cover for them where they can get up and out of the frigid cold temperatures. Eddie, thanks for your report today. Thank you, Tom. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Calving season is getting closer, if it hasn't started already. James Hunt has some thoughts on getting prepared for calves to hit the ground. 
At some Texas High Plains ranches, it might have already occurred or is about to occur, but for most operations in our area, calving season is still a few weeks away. It's always a challenging time for cattle raisers, especially if those calves happen to arrive in the middle of a bitter cold spell. Dr. Jennifer Kozel is an associate professor of food animal medicine and surgery at the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo. I asked Dr. Kozel to share some thoughts on things to keep in mind in the way of preparation. Thinking about what windbreaks we can offer, thinking about forage or refuge sources that those cows can have, and thinking about making sure that we have all the necessities on hand in case that we have a calf, a newborn calf that gets chilled and might need some help. So having colostrum replacer in their refrigerator, so something we can pick up now, it's always something good to have on hand. Uh, knowing where all of our obstetric equipment is so that we don't have to go tearing through the barn looking for it in case of emergency, and really just having a plan. Can we move those cows that are close to calving closer to the barn so we can check on them sooner? Um, Cows are in the panhandle are going to be historically much happier out on pasture than they will be shut up in the barn. But having them close to a set of pens or some facilities where we can check on those cows frequently so that we can pick up those neonates before they become extremely cold. Once again, that was Dr. Jennifer Kozel with the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo with some good advice as we prepare to welcome a new calf crop in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas legislative session is picking up speed, and there are several issues there affecting Texas farmers and ranchers. Gary Joyner has more. State legislators are back in Austin. The 88th Texas legislature is underway. More than 6,000 bills will be filed during the 140-day regular session. The only bill that must be passed by legislators is a two-year state budget. Everything else is poetry, as former Lieutenant Governor Bill Hobby used to say. Several issues are of high interest to Texas farmers and ranchers. Texas Farm Bureau priorities include property rights and opposing unnecessary regulatory authority over the use of private property. Another priority is water and protecting the rights of landowners and agricultural producers to surface water and groundwater. Taxes are also a priority. Current state tax provisions should be protected that limit the burden on producing food, fiber, and other agricultural products for consumers. Right to farm is a priority issue, and the rights of agricultural producers to engage in normally accepted agricultural practices on their land must be protected. A lot of poetry will be introduced in Austin this session. Texas farmers and ranchers hope the many verses hit the right note for Texas agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. There are several factors that pond owners should take into consideration before stocking fish. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And laminitis is a serious and potentially deadly syndrome in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Laminitis is a serious and potentially deadly syndrome in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says it can be treated with cooperation between your vet and your farrier. To treat laminitis, your farrier and vet will both need to be involved with treatment to be successful. Dr. Richard Mansman from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, indicates in the horse publication that most cases of laminitis are due to insulin resistance and requires the veterinarian to perform testing and recommended nutrition and medical treatment advice. Lots of horses are susceptible to laminitis or founder, and your veterinarian can recommend testing to determine if your horse is susceptible before they develop laminitis. Also, all horses with laminitis must have x-rays of the feet taken to determine how to trim and possibly shoe the horse. Without x-rays, your farrier is having to guess how to trim the horse, and guessing is not accurate enough for treatment of this condition. You must know the location of the coffin bone in the hoof to know how to trim the horse correctly. You always need a baseline image to know the location and anatomy of the coffin bone when treatment starts so you can determine any changes in the future. We x-ray horses with laminitis initially, then in three weeks, and then as needed, which is usually every two to three months, and then every six months, depending on how the horse is doing. So if your farrier believes your horse has laminitis, it is critical to call your veterinarian and get x-rays of the feet. Ideally, your vet and farrier get together to discuss their thoughts on laminitis and current treatment methods. I know this can be difficult, as some farriers and vets do not get along due to difference of opinion, but you must have a vet and farrier that can work together or the horse will suffer. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several factors that pond owners should consider before stocking fish. Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Stocking a private pond or lake is more complicated than simply buying some fish and putting them into the water. Pond owners should consider the color and clarity of the water body, its size, the plants inside it, and their fishing goals before stocking fish. Stephen Barden, a fisheries biologist and owner of Texas Pro Lake, said after taking these things into consideration, pond owners should begin building a food chain. Fish competition, reproduction, size of the fish, and the pond should be taken into consideration. For example, Barden says red ear sunfish are essential in all ponds because they eat snails, which can carry parasites that will harm fish. They can also help increase a pond's carrying capacity. They should be restocked every five years. Pond owners who plan on stocking bass should consider adding bluegill to the environment. They are a forage fish. They eat aquatic vegetation, insects, and on occasion, minnows and small fish. They do provide a food base for bass and are a good opportunity for young anglers. AgriLife Extension warns that stocking bluegill can be a mixed blessing as they can overpopulate a pond, especially those smaller than an acre. Details about different fish options are available on TXProLake.com. That is TX. 
propro.lake.com. I have a Facebook page. You go to at TX Pro Lake on any social media and you'll find it. But on Facebook, we post daily tips. Also, there's other resources like the Texas Chapter of American Fisheries has a pond management guideline. It's about 30 pages, a long read, but it walks you through everything. That was Stephen Barden of Texas Pro Lake. AgriLife Extension has resources online as well. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday, but the grain markets jumped higher. We'll have a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded mixed on Tuesday. When it all shook out on the close, we ended up mostly higher on live cattle. The February contract up 37 cents, 157.85. April up 75 at 161.30, while June live cattle were up 55 157.85. Feeder cattle, however, finishing mixed, with January feeders dropping 22 cents, 178.95. The March contract up 32, 183.60, with April feeders unchanged, 187.92. Cash-fed cattle market still quiet Tuesday. Feedlots here in the south asking 157. Boxed beef prices were lower Tuesday. Choice down 47 cents at 270.97. Select down 72, 253.77. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. One of the things that makes a livestock market operator and the sale especially productive is production sales, special sales, female replacement sales. Ken Jordan's the master of that. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason, and San Saba. They had one in San Saba Saturday. Ken, how did it go? We ended up with uh, 2,449 head of cattle, buyers from New Mexico, Oklahoma, Georgia, Mississippi, and all across Texas. And we had a record number this time, uh, right at 1,114 folks on the internet. I think the race we've had for is 975. Overall, we get in our pairs. They were in very strong demand. The young choice pairs, they range were ranging from $1,700 up to $2,550. Except we had one really, really good set of 22 first calf red angus pairs that brought $3,100. Some of the solid mouth pairs and pairs uh, maybe carrying a little less flesh, they brought most from $13 and a quarter up to $1,675. There's also a lot of demand for our medium to long bred cows with the younger flesher ones, Larry. Going pretty well from $1,500 up to $2,300. Had a lot of $8 to $2,200 uh, sales on those good good young bread cows, fleshy ones. Some of the solid mouth bread cows, short bread ones too, they sold most from 900 up to 1675 on those, 1575. Choice offering of uh, bread heifers on hand uh, with a bigger medium to long bread selling from 1400 uh, to $2,050 on those bread heifers. Some of the short bread and lighter weight bread heifers brought from 975 up to 1375. 
We also had a good offer in open efforts. They sold most of them from six seventy five up to sixteen hundred and fifty dollars, depending on size, kind, and flash. Overall, very good sale. A lot of activity, Larry. Um, it's a good day on Saturday too. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken Jordan. Gifts call Larry code three two five three seven two eight zero six zero or jordancattle.com. We appreciate it, and I'll talk to you after the Mason sale. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, sir. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. We're lower Tuesday. February hogs down 47 cents, 77.10. The April down 7, 85.37. Class 3 milk slightly lower. Nearby January milk down 4 cents, 19.44 weight. February milk down 4 at 18.63 100. Triple-digit losses in the cotton market, pressure coming from a drop in the energy complex and a rise in the U.S. dollar. March cotton down 115 points, 86.24. May cotton down 101 points, 86.78. December down 39 at 85.13. The grain markets seeing a strong comeback. On Monday, we had big double-digit losses in both corn and wheat, It seemed to be a definite turnaround Tuesday with double-digit gains in both corn and wheat. March corn up 10 and 3 quarters, 677 a bushel. The May up 10 and a quarter, 675 and a quarter. While September corn was up 6 and a quarter, 608 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat gaining about 14 cents across the board. March Kansas City wheat up 14 and 3 quarters, 833 and 3 quarters. New crop July up 14 cents, 822 and a quarter. Same thing in the soft wheat market. March Chicago wheat up 14 and a half, 734 and a half, with new crop July up 14 cents, 744 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 17 cents Tuesday, 327. March West Texas crude oil down $1.52 at 80.10 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow was up 122 points, 33,752. The Nasdaq down 24, 11,340, while the S&P was down about a half point at 4,019. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.